0: Tri-Cities Church. This has already been an incredible day. Thank you so much praise team for leading us to the throne and um, I thank you that uh, you were here for one offering and as Pastor Lamar said you're going to be here for two offerings this morning too just to show how grateful we are this morning and so this is one of my favorite favorite uh, mornings of the Tri-Cities Church year. It's Big Give Sunday. It's a Sunday when we take up a big offering and we give it all away. Amen? I love it. I love it. Well, the last couple of Sundays, we've learned a lot about the a minist- uh, couple of the ministries that we're going to be giving this Big Give offering to. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we heard from Michaela Guthrie, and we heard uh, her own story about uh, growing up in the foster system. And and how she is now using that and God is using her to minister to people at the Crossroads Foster and Adoption Care Center out at Christian City. And then last week, uh, we, our incredible Pastor Lamar uh, told his story and was very vulnerable about his uh, growing up undiagnosed with uh, on, on the autism spectrum. And then uh, how that, that diagnosis came later in his life, but how he is using that to minister to people with special needs, and how we're going to take up an offering uh, also to to create a world-class special needs ministry here at Tri-Cities Church. Amen? Amen. Well, today we're going to focus on the Tri-Cities Family Food Co-op. And that's a ministry that was started by this very church, this very congregation. Before we were even meeting weekly as a church, we decided to do this. And before we get into our Bible study this morning, I wanted to to give you a quick overview of what the Tri-Cities Family Food Co-op is, in case you didn't know. Maybe you've heard us talk about the food co-op, food co-op, and you you don't know what all that entails. So I want to take you through that very quickly before we we get into the Bible study this morning. So, back in August 2012, as I said, Tri-Cities Church was just meeting monthly at that time we weren't even meeting weekly yet we haven't even really started we were just having these monthly meetings at at hateville elementary school my brother and i attended a meeting that was put on by the fulton county board of education but it was at a neighboring church and when we were there we learned some pretty disturbing things we were told by the uh, homeless liaison of fulton county schools that there were 98,000 students in Fulton County, and only 42 social workers to deal with those 98,000 students. And during the first two weeks of that school year, there had already been 382 students that were identified as homeless, and by the end of that year, we learned that there were over 1,000, close to 1,500 in the uh, Fulton County area. What really, really broke our hearts and what really, really got our attention was we learned that the highest concentration back then was at Tri-Cities High School. The Tri-Cities High School had the most homeless population of any school in Fulton County. And so that got our attention. And she talked about something called food insecurity. And I genuinely never heard that term. I think my brother probably had, but I didn't. And he explained it this way. She explained it this way. She said, you know, food insecurity is, is when a family, um, you know, is on a very, very tight budget, and they get to the end of the month, and they have a choice. They have a choice between two things. I can either pay my rent or I can buy groceries. And so the baby's got to get fed, don't they? So we buy groceries. We don't pay our rent. And then what happens? It ends up possibly an eviction. And when you're evicted then you move in to one of the extended stays or you move in with your auntie or you move in with your cousin somewhere or you're on the streets and it could be days weeks months before you're back in school and oftentimes they would they would say goodbye to a student who was homeless and and then they would come back months later having not gone to school at all and being four months four months behind and so we were We were heartbroken. We said, we've got to do something. We knew something had to be done. And so we had seen this model of a food co-op in another place, in another ministry. And we liked it a lot. And so we took up our first, we didn't call it Big Give, but it was our first Big Give offering on October the 18th, 2012. And it was seven years ago. And in 2013, the food co-op was born. And it was because of the generosity of this church so how does it work well first we um we work with the social workers in the schools and the social workers are the ones that are that are boots on the ground and they help us to identify the families that are that would benefit the most from this co-op they help us identify families that would be the most cooperative that would participate on a regular basis that would be faithful to the meetings and so they have those families fill out an application and they send those applications to us. And then we have actually two food co-ops that meet. We have two food, uh, one food co-op that meets here. Uh, well, they're, they both meet here now uh, on Wednesday nights. And one of them is for Haightville Elementary School and Park Lane Elementary School. And the other one is for H.E. Holmes School and Conley Hill School. But both of those co-ops meet here. And what happens every week is that we, we use your offering to place an order with the Atlanta Community Food Bank. How many of you have heard of the food bank? We hear that all the time on the radio, just give donations. Well, we are members of the Atlanta Community Food Bank. And my brother places an, on, an order. And then um, the, the cool thing about the food bank is that we are able to buy food for uh, around 16 cents a pound. And so your money goes a long, long way there. And after he orders, my brother gets the van and the Tri-Cities Church trailer that we used to use to set up and break down church at Hayville Elementary School. He uses that trailer to take to the the food bank, and he gets a whole trailer load full of food, brings it back here, and we actually store it in uh, a room downstairs that's kind of our pantry, kind of the holding area. And then on Wednesdays at 4.15, every Wednesday, one group one week, one group the other week, the families come. And uh, what we do is we, we organize the food, we place food, the families do this themselves and they, they try to make each box, set of boxes as equal as possible. And then, um, oh, and by the way, I have to give a, sh- a little shout out to my Buffingtons, where are they? Ah, they're sitting in the back, back there. It, now, a lot of times the families will bring kids and uh, they either come in and help or they, they go back there with Mr. Allen and Miss Michelle and, and uh, do crafts in the back so um, we even have that opportunity to serve in in the co-op ministry but they they um, pay a $3 fee each time and that $3 fee does not uh, who pays for the food? You guys have already done that right? So this $3 fee doesn't go towards that. The $3 fee actually goes back to the social workers so they are able to use that money to uh, to take care of needs at the school to take care of it's, it's non-red tape money that they're able to to buy folders if a kid doesn't have a folder or if they, if it's a uniform school they can buy a uniform shirt uh whatever they need it for and the, uh, the the cool thing is at the end of each session each family goes away with about two and a half boxes full of food and it's good food like like pastor lamar was saying he he saw it, he's like yeah i want some of this food too it's good stuff I mean, it's Publix, it's Whole Foods, it's, it's good. But it gives us an opportunity to build relationships with the same families and to share the love of Jesus. Now, today, our goal is $22,000. That's a big amount. But that $22,000 is not going to go towards repairing that steeple that needs to be repaired. There's a spot out in the lobby, and you know it needs to be repaired. That $22,000 is not going to go towards hiring a part-time office manager that we need desperately. It's not going towards that. It's not going towards buying curriculum for our city kids. We always need curriculum for the city kids. It's not going to that. But this offering that we're taking is $22,000 plus, I'm believing, is going to be something that goes completely out the door, that we completely give away, that completely goes to our community. And a lot of people would say, for your size of congregation, that's an absurd thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> and you know what? Generosity is absurd. But it's not so much absurd that we're taking the offering. Let me tell you what's absurd about it. It's absurd that God allows us to participate in this with him. That's the absurd part to me, that he lets me get to be a part of this. There's a very familiar story in the Bible that's, that's pretty much absurd in, in and of itself. And it's a story of one of Jesus' miracles, and and it's the only miracle besides the resurrection that's told in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four. It's a story of generosity, the generosity of Jesus in the face of a great need. And you'll see the generosity of Jesus is, it's, it's absurd, it's crazy. The story is the five loaves and the two fishes. And I know it's one that you probably heard 5,000 times. But it's often in these familiar stories, at least for me, it's often these familiar stories that I learn something new, God teaches me something new, or he reminds me of something that's very important. And I'd say because this story is repeated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's something we better sit up and pay attention to. And so this morning I'm going to read from the, the John 6 passage, but I'm going to make references throughout to all the other three So let's take a look at John 6, 1 through 14, and we're going to go ahead and read the whole story. So starting with verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. And then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Well, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Notice they didn't say the fish. I'm glad they didn't do that. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And you remember the last time that you were hungry? I mean, like, really? Not hungry, hungry. <laughs> when you were hungry, when you when you wanted to gnaw your arm off, you were that hungry. You know, people get, get hangry. Well, uh, Pastor Lamar and... Uh, our children's pastor, Jamie, they can tell you whenever our, our Monday meetings go much past lunchtime, I don't get hangry, I get loopy. Like, I can't, I'm like, uh, I, can't, I can't even, like, trace a, a link of sentence together. You know, some people get hangry, I get loopy. Well, can you imagine being hangry or loopy and, and then you had to, like, face a whole crowd of hangry, loopy people? Well, that's what's happening here. See, Jesus and his disciples, we don't see it here, but Jesus and his disciples, they needed a break. John's account doesn't say much about it. But if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see that they had a reason to really, really need this this time away. Because they had just been on a mission trip, a two-by-two mission trip, and lots of things had happened. It was action-packed. And then... They had just heard the news that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded by Herod. And so they needed time. They needed time away to grieve and to process. And the, the book of Mark tells us that they hadn't even taken time for themselves to eat. So they were hungry, hangry, loopy. Jesus knew this. And in, in Mark 6, he, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they headed for the hills to take a little respite. And wouldn't you know it, here comes the crowd. But you can't, can't you just hear the disciples? They're going, shh, Jesus, just, just ignore them. Don't, don't pay any attention to them. Maybe they will go away. I mean, it's way past lunchtime. And I'm sure that they're hungry, too. They just need to go back into the city and, and get themselves. No, no. Jesus, stop, stop, stop. What, what is he doing? He's calling them over here. I, I know I would be like that. I'd be like, can you please tell them to go away? Because I, I can't even deal. But the other gospels tell us that the crowd, when the crowds came closer, guess what? Jesus had compassion. He had compassion. He even welcomed them, one, one version says, and he began teaching. That's absurd. It's absurd. Jesus Please just look the other way, <laughs> just once. But he doesn't. Instead, he looks at them face to face with compassion. Have you ever thought about that when you're reading stories of Jesus, about his his patience, his compassion, his love, the way he treats people, the way he heals, the way he does the miracles? It's it's also generous. It's absurdly generous. When I, when I studied this text in John 6, I noted that there were several ways that Jesus' generosity was absurd. And I want to talk about that. You see, first, gener- Jesus' generosity is absurd because he sees us. He sees us. Think about this. He's the Son of God. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He doesn't know anybody, anything, Nothing. And yet, instead of going the other way, instead of ignoring, instead of saying, you go away, he drew near the crowd and he saw them, and not just a a passing glance either. It it, it was a noticeable understanding of what was going on. The book of Mark, again, it says that he saw them and had compassion on them because they were like like sheep without a shepherd. Hmm. And you can't blame the crowd for wanting to follow him. Think about this. Medicine was not That advanced back then you know when you got sick you laid down and you got better or you didn't (laughs) and that was pretty much it that was medicine and don't you know if 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 I were sick well you know and especially if I had a sick child I would have been in that crowd following Jesus wouldn't you I would have been doing whatever I could to get to him but isn't it amazing that Jesus in the middle of his own weariness his own grief He saw the crowd and he cared for them. He had compassion. And that's the generous, absurd love and care of Jesus. You know, when we started Tri-Cities Church, our goal for this church was to be a church in this city or in this community for this community. We could have planted in other areas of Atlanta. We could have planted it in other areas of the state, in other areas of the country. But we chose this place. And it's a place, we all know we live here. It's in a place with a lot of needs. But it was home for me. But more than that, more than that, it was a place that had needs. It was a place, you know, Tri-Cities, we're a fantastic community. I love living in, I love living in the Tri-Cities. I grew up here. Moved away, said I'd never come back, and then came back. And, and I love it. I absolutely love it. But it's a messy place. There's a lot of messiness here. And when my brother and I attended that meeting back that the school board put on, we couldn't look away. We couldn't ignore it. If we were going to follow the way of Jesus, we had to open our hearts of compassion. And our reason for beginning the co-op was to walk towards the messiness, was to walk for. Towards people that were hangry and all for hope and stability. You think about the miracles of Jesus. They all start with an impossible situation, don't they? A miracle begins with a mess. Every time. Every time. So Jesus sees this messy crowd, and instead of sending them away, he asks Philip a very loaded, really a trick question. He says, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Now, Philip was from that area, so some people think that's maybe why he asked him, because he would know where the, the, the closest, um, I don't know, what are the stop and go. That's what we had near Park Lane. I grew up, it was a stop and go. And asking that question, though, Jesus was beginning something. He was beginning the process of drawing them in of drawing them into his own generosity, of drawing them in and letting them be a part of the act that's, that's to come. He didn't have to do that. You see, this is the second way that, that Jesus' generosity is absurd. He's the creator, the creator of the universe. And yet Jesus invites us into his story. Hmm. Think about it. Did Jesus need Philip? or any of the other disciples, to, to perform this miracle? Absolutely not. John 1.3 says this about Jesus. It says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Colossians 1.16 says about Jesus, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. You know, Jesus could have said, let there be red lobster cheese biscuits, and boom. <laughs> red lobster cheese biscuits, all you can eat. I know where a lot of you are going for lunch. <laughs> it's all it takes is just seeing that image, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not looking back. <laughs> he didn't need Philip, did he? He didn't need it. But isn't it cool that Jesus invites you and me, us, to take a part in his miracles? The disciples had a front row seat in the greatest classroom with the greatest teacher who ever lived. And Jesus seized sees this opportunity to not only meet the needs of the people, but to teach his disciples. He, he wanted them to see not just what he could do, but who he was. And Philip answers Jesus in, in the way that many of us would, probably how I would. He's he's a mathematician, and I'm not a mathematician, but but it makes sense. He's a number cruncher. He runs the numbers, and he says, um, Jesus, <laughs> this does not add up. Have you? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the size of this crowd, and none of us have money. And Judas is back there going, you know that's right. <laughs> well, I've got it, but you don't have it. And... And then there's Andrew. He's, he, he's, he's a man of action. He gets up and he starts confiscating lunch, lunch boxes. He's like, okay, oh, oh, you got, here, give me that kid. He's a man of action, but then he's a realist. He knows this little homemade lunch for this 10 year old will not feed a crowd of 10,000. Jesus, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. I almost feel like he almost did it as as a joke. Like, yeah, we got this lunch, Jesus. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? But Jesus was testing them, and both Philip and Andrew failed the test. They were more focused on what they couldn't do than what he could do. Remember, they had been traveling with him, and they had seen him give, give hearing to the deaf and and sight to the blind and, and making the, the lame men leap and walk. And yet they couldn't think. Why would feeding the hungry be any different? We do the same. God gives us a big dream, a big task that seems huge and impossible in the face of it, and we start calculating, and the numbers don't add up, and Jesus says, Well, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we say, Let me try. <laughs> God tells us, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by my spirit. And we're like, God, I can handle it. And and, and then we focus on what we can and mostly can't do and ignore what he can do. And this passage says that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And I believe he also already knew what Philip and Andrew were going to do. But it's still important for him to give them this opportunity to enter into the miracle, to be a part of that process. And I'm grateful that that, that God has given us the opportunity to participate in the miracle of the co-op that's happened here at Tri-Cities Church. He's called us to tackle an issue in an area in our community that seems insurmountable. But God continues to blow us away by the generosity of his people funding this mission. I'll never forget, back in 2014, our big offering our big give offering was, again, for the second time, to fund more of the co-op. Now, the size of our congregation back then, we thought, we're going to stretch you a little bit, but we don't want to go crazy. So we set a goal of $5,000. And we were sweating it. <laughs> we were like, this is okay. We can do this, though. We can do this. And so we took up the big give offering. And I will tell you, we were blown away by God and by you. That year, the, the offering was $12,500. And we were blown away. We were—I I just remember that afternoon getting emotional. When we give generously, we get to be a part of God's story. We get to be a part of God's—we get to be a part of God's story. Isn't that awesome? But it was the generosity of this little poor kid that, that changed the script here. And we can figure that he was poor because he was giving Jesus barley. Rolls and barley was inferior to wheat back then, and and if you read the Greek word for the fish that that were in his little basket or uh, bag, there were little tiny fish. So this was a poor kid, and I like I don't know whether he was as, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago whether he was voluntold or volu- or whether he volunteered. I like to think the second one, and this morning we're going to say it's the second one. <laughs> we're going to say that he said just like you know back in that Coca Cola commercial, you know you want my lunch you know <laughs> I, I believe that and that's the third way that I believe that Jesus is, is generously absurd and that is that the almighty God in the flesh the great God of the universe uses us no matter how, what we have he uses us no matter what we have there's an old gospel song I used to love southern I still do love southern gospel and that song says, little as much when God is in it. And that's a theme all the way through the scriptures. You know, Andrew looked at this little boy's lunch and he said, you yeah, know, that's not much. Really, really is nothing when you look at this crowd. But think about it. For that little boy, it was everything. It's all he had to eat. It was an absurd gesture for him to give that. It makes me think of the, the story when Jesus and his disciples were watching people put their offerings in at, at the temple. And you can look at it in Luke 21. It says, then a poor widow came by and dropped in two little small coins. And I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, she's given everything that she has. Some of you are able and have come today prepared to give a big offering. Hallelujah. <laughs> and others may be able to just give just a small part. Just a small offering. But in God's grand scheme, he is, he is looking for generosity. Not an amount. Now yes, practically we need an amount, of a certain amount of money to fund the co-op. And to give to Crossroads. And to start this world class special needs ministry. But here's, here's the point that we're making this morning. God has this way of multiplying generosity. Is, is what you're giving today, no matter the amount, is what you're giving today generous? That's the question. Sometimes we don't think we have much to give. Even, even in our acts of service, we think, well, it's no big deal. It's, it's, it's just I'm just doing this, doing that. And it, it, it made me think of, of something we do on a regular basis. In fact, we're doing it next Sunday. Whoa. We're doing it next Sunday. Uh, we're going to go out to Christian City, and we're going to uh, help them to put on their uh, every Sunday worship service. And so we have an opportunity for you all to sign up and, and to be a part of that. And you may, may be thinking, well, that's no big deal, I'm just going to visit somebody. But you know what? For a resident out there, it might be a really big deal for them that day. It may be just the day that they needed to, to have someone remind them that they're not alone. They may need someone to come out and, and, and say, you know, somebody cares about you. And just, you know, seeing you or your child's smiling face will do that for them. And so I, I, I pray that, that after church, there's a rush for the next steps table, just a little plug, uh, and that you'll sign up for that for next week. What? Remember this, somebody somewhere is depending on you to do what God has called you to do. I think that that mama, when she packed the the little boy's lunch that morning, had zero idea that she was going to be feeding 5,000 men and their families, right? And little did we know when we took up that little $2,600 offering back in October 2012 that God would use it to impact so many families in our community. We've been so blessed to build relationships with so many great people from our local schools. And because of your generosity, we've helped hundreds in our community God has helped us to stabilize, uh, use, used your, your offerings to help stabilize families and relieve pressure of overwhelming monthly food bills. This past week, I heard a sermon by Rick Warren, and he, he talked about 12 different promises from the Bible that are connected to our generosity. And lucky for you, we're not going to do all 12. I've got them printed out, actually, back at the Next Steps table, so you can pick up one of those if you want. But I wanted to very quickly just talk about three. Um, this will be very quick. Um, first, he says, when I give generously, my faith is demonstrated. Pastor Lamar was talking about this in our little, we have a little huddle of all the, the volunteers for the morning um, before each service. And he was talking about this morning. And this, four weeks ago, you, you started this series with a passage from 2 Corinthians 8. And Paul was encouraging the Corinthian Christians to give to have a big give project towards this Jerusalem church that was in a bad, bad position. And this morning, let's continue that. 2 Corinthians nine thirteen. he's telling them, he says, because of the service by which you approved others, others will prove yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. You see, when we give, we get to show off just a little bit. But not ourselves. We're showing off God when we, when we give. The Corinthians, generosity would result in people praising God. And then secondly, when I give generously, it makes me more like Jesus. That's an obvious one, isn't it? I mean, Jesus was the most generous person that ever walked the earth. We look at John, the book of John. It says that there's no greater love than someone laid, laying down his life for, for someone. John 3 16 for God so ridiculously absurdly loved the world <laughs> he gave his one and only son when I give big and when I give generously I look like Jesus and then when I give generously there's going to be some kind of reward in heaven I don't know how that works and we're not going to get into all the details of that but I know that it's a scriptural theme Luke 16 says here's the lesson use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends then when your possessions are gone they will, be, they will welcome you to an eternal home. And then you know that Matthew passage that says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. And I can't think of a better way for me to, to store up treasures in heaven than to, to be generous with what I have here. I like what one guy says. He says, I can't take it with me, but I can send it on ahead <laughs> like that. This is an exciting day. We get the privilege of, of echoing Jesus' generosity. And of course, we can never outgive God. But we can sure have fun trying. One last thing I, want, I don't want us to miss from the John 6 passage. This is the last thing. When they all had enough to eat, verse 12 says, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left. Let nothing be wasted. Think about it. Jesus wastes nothing. He even uses the scraps. What the world throws away, what the world considers useless, God sees value in it. Our culture is is cruel at times. It tosses away those that are considered vulnerable, doesn't it? It takes a a little young lady that's being lost in the foster world, in this foster system. And Jesus sees and it, it, it breaks his heart. And he says, church, take care of her. It takes this young boy that's not been diagnosed with autism yet, but is being bullied in his school. And God says, this should not be. Jesus says, church, be a place of refuge for that boy. And then it takes this family that their means are stretched, and they're at the end of their rope, and they've lost hope. And Jesus says, church, get to work. Get to work. And that's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this. It's the work of Jesus. It's his hands and his feet. It's his absurd generosity. Well, today is a day of celebration. And I, I tell you, we're about to celebrate like nothing else. Because we've got, we've got two young people, just like that little boy that gave his lunch. These two people are giving their lives to Jesus and so we are excited this morning, and Jamie, Pastor Jamie, is going to come and and uh, talk to us a little bit about that. But we have uh, two young people that are going to be baptized right now. Just grab that. Good morning, Trustee's Church. Oh, see, That's great. yeah, I think it's good. Okay, I don't need a mic. You'll know that. <laughs> um. I-